the quality of the relationships in my life are a direct indicator of the quality of my own relationship with myself. Welcome to Soul Logic, not your breathy spirituality. This is neither tie-dye, running through fairy fields, nor corporate performance metrics, but increasing your inner authority and personal freedom, moving you from the corporate mindset to a conscious mindset. We're your hosts, Cindy and Scott, and we're here to put the practical into awakening. Today, we're talking about relationships. Relationships are so important to our daily lives. They can certainly help us find companionship, to find camaraderie. But what we're talking about today is that inner relationship with ourselves when we're actually in that external relationship. So there's lots and lots of opportunity when you're in a relationship to learn about yourself. And that's what we want to explore today. And if we think about what those relationships look like, just to set the stage a little bit, think about it in concentric circles, if you will. There's sort of the most external relationship that you can have where we're just exchanging an interaction. You're at a store buying something and you have a quick interaction that can really make or break some of your, some of your day, right? You have a great relationship or great exchange and you walk out feeling great. You have a not so great customer experience and you walk out feeling kind of in the dumps or at least a little bit angry. If we go, we'll come back to these, but if we go in a little bit further into that circle of relationships, we have acquaintances and these are people who are not quite friends, but not quite strangers either. We may see them at a cocktail party, at a work function, just out and about on the street, and we know them. And those interactions are important too. And as we come in closer, we have the friend circle. And this may not be our closest friends, but the friends that we see more often than not, we just may not share every single thing about our lives with these friends. And then as we get further in into our most intimate circle, we find friends, potentially family, and of course, a spouse or a partner. And in each one of these circles of relationships, we find triggers, we find, as well as we find that support in these relationships. And what we want to talk about today is the opportunity, opportunity that we have in those triggers to really learn about ourselves and grow at a really deep level. Scott, we can certainly talk about all the other circles, but I think where the real juice lies is in that most intimate circle. So do you have any issue with, let's just jump into the, let's jump into the deep end and go right into that intimate circle where we get triggered the most often or in the most deepest way where we find ourselves really struggling sometimes to say, I I don't know about you, but I've certainly been there where you're like, oh, if they just did this, if they just did that, if it was just this way, the relationship would be perfect. And I think that is a perfect sign that you're being triggered and something to look at in yourself. What are your thoughts? I absolutely agree. And it makes me think back to our conversation on taking responsibility and how taking responsibility is so important for that personal freedom that we all seek, but also to be able to lead our lives instead of that blame. And I've been in exactly the same situation where I say, well, they just did that, or they did it this way, or did it my way, which of course would be the best way, right? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Then things would be wonderful. But that's not always the case. And I think um, as you as you started to set this conversation up, one of the most important things is for us to remember that relationships are a tremendous learning experience. 
And I think that is the big mindset shift that if we can think of relationships, our interactions with another human being as an opportunity to learn, I've found that it takes a lot of the pressure off. And it certainly allows me to then have more compassion from what that person is going through, but also for myself. And it's that inner knowing that we can then connect back with ourselves and say, okay, what's really going on here? What's happening in this situation that that is triggering me so much? You know, and sometimes I'll say, let's take a step back and let's be the observer in our own life and pretend that we're watching this dynamic from afar. Most often we can see a very different picture. Because yes, the deeper we go, the more intimate the relationships are, particularly with family, right? We choose our friends, we choose our partners. We don't necessarily choose our family, but we get to choose how we interact with our family. We get to choose how we interact, not only with our family, but with any of the relationships that you've mentioned. I've also found that when I've been able to take more responsibility and accept that these are opportunities to learn, it's made me then begin to recognize and this wasn't easy at first, so I'm not going to lie and say that it was, make it easier to recognize that the quality of the relationships in my life are a direct indicator of the quality of my own relationship with myself. That's a big statement. Say that again. Yeah, I've been able to recognize that the, the more I take care of myself, the more I actually connect with myself and my own inner knowing and self-care, but also prioritize what it is that I need creates more awareness for me. You know, and I like to say, particularly in leadership coaching, we can't give what we don't have. And it, it sounds cliche, but it is true, right? You need to love yourself before you can learn to love somebody else. You need to listen to yourself, hear yourself, respect yourself or ourselves before we can do the same for another person. And I found that the more that I've been able to do that for myself, the the better I've been able to do that for people in my life, which has then improved the quality of the relationships. I think you're making a great point. There is a pet peeve of mine with Hollywood where is it uh, with Renee Zellweger and Tom Cruise where like you complete me. And I think that sets, they're tapping into something very human there in relationships where we are sort of looking for that person to quote unquote, complete us. And there's that companionship piece. I don't want to diminish that, but what you're getting to, which I think is really important is already be complete. If you already come to a relationship complete or on your way to completion, or at least a deep sense of self-awareness, and you have that piece to give because you are whole, because you're already feeding yourself very well, you are generally happy or learning, you know, what's triggering you and how to overcome that to be happier with yourself, then I think you look less to your partner to be and do a certain way. And you are much more able to allow them to be who they are and enjoy them in partnership that way and let them expand your horizons versus having to complete some missing piece within you. And I think that's really, really important. And I think that's what you just talked about. And yet we see this model in our, in our literature, in our entertainment, our movies, our entertainment, just in our way of thinking that this person needs to do or be a certain way to make me happy. <laughs> There's something I read once. I it, I couldn't quote it exactly, but the sentiment was basically relationships are actually not about the other person at all. They're about you. And of course it takes two to be in a relationship, but 
or more, <laughs> depending on how you are. But, you know, it's really important that the more centered, the more healthy, the more whole, the happier you are. I think the better your relationships, your better quality of your relationships in any of the circles. I mean, if you're happy and somebody gives you crappy, grumpy service when you're checking out of a grocery store, you're less likely to take that personally. That whole cliche fantasy version that we need the other person to be complete. Now, what if we start from today on say, I am complete and I'm, it's never a job that's ever done, right? So we're always going to be in stages of improving and getting better, expanding our awareness, becoming more, more. It's not about perfection, but I am complete. And I think that right there reduces the need and that charge of the expectations of this person or that person needs to do this for me because I need this from them. No, it's not about needing anything. As you said, we, are, we already feel like we are much more complete. We're much more whole. And we're coming from a more balanced place. So yeah, we're not less triggered. And that's such an important thing versus taking things so personally. And that's the difference, right? We have, a, I think, a, a more expansive view of what's really going on. And we're needing less from others. But we're also able to give when we're able to for others without feeling depleted. But we can't do that until we can give back to ourselves. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of that thing I was talking about. Once I said, well, wait a minute, there's a little bit more going on here. And I don't necessarily need something from that person or this person. It could be a professional relationship as well. Like you said, you know, it could be in a restaurant and, and, and get some bad service and okay, it's fine. The person has a bad day. It's not going to really impact my day, or it could throw somebody's day completely off the tracks. If they're not coming from that place of being balanced and being centered and feeling whole. So I think it's really important to number one, start to make the mindset shift that we are complete we are improving and we are taking responsibility for our interactions with others because we do get more of what we put out there. So if we have this positive focus, we're probably going to notice more of what's working, but if we're looking for what's wrong, we're certainly going to find it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if we have our own happiness and find happiness, make our own happiness, then we are less likely to put that responsibility on somebody else. And just like take so much pressure off of a relationship. If you can just, understand your own inner workings and understand, okay, you know what? I'm having a bad day. We all have bad days. I'm having a bad day. And I know this person and I know their intentions are never against me. I'm just having a bad day. That is huge. And to just be, even to vocalize it and say, you know what? I'm just having kind of a bad day. I need X from you, or I would love to have receive X from you, or I just need to be left alone for a little bit, whatever, like to know your own needs. And then to be able to communicate that is just sort of next level maturity on relationships. But before we go there, let's take a quick break. And then let's come back and talk about those triggers. Like how do we recognize them in a relationship? And then it's an opportunity to grow. So how do we, how do we recognize it? How do we take that, internalize it? And then transform that into something good. Use How do we alchemize that within to make it a piece of us that's more whole instead of a piece that we're looking for somebody else to complete? You're listening to Soul Logic, shifting you from a corporate mindset into a conscious mindset. Check out our course online at roadmaptoawakening.com helping you 
bring the practical into awakening and make sense of what's happening on your journey. Okay, welcome back. We are diving into those triggers that are so common in relationships at all levels. And I know, Scott, you have one that you've been recently working with, with one of your relationships. Do you want to talk about that trigger and what you've done to overcome it? Sure. One of my hot buttons has to do with timeliness, you know, being late, for example. So if we agree that we're going to meet at two o'clock and it's two o'clock, 205, 210, I don't have a problem if you're going to be late. Just let me know you're going to be late at some point. The big trigger for me is timeliness, but it's also in doing what it is you say you're going to do. So if you say you're going to meet with me at two o'clock, then meet with me at two o'clock or let me know that you can't meet with me at two o'clock for whatever reason, we'll find a different time to meet. I have no problem adjusting it, but that's the second piece of it is the communication part of it. And it drives me absolutely crazy when there is not communication. I'll say that I've had a recent business relationship that before getting into it, I talked about showing up and I talked about communication with this person to be sure that we're both on the same page as to what we expected. And the response was absolutely. Yes, I agree. It's so important. Well, guess what? (laughs) That didn't really happen. Yeah. Actions didn't meet words. Actions did not meet words, Mm -hmm. I would say 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. And it became more and more frustrating for me. And this is when I really came face to face with, okay, Scott, you got to take responsibility here. You've really got to speak up and talk about what it is that is not working in this business relationship and figure out a way to make it work. Or ultimately, of course, you just no longer continue with the relationship. And I think that that's one of the biggest things right there is many times we don't get into that action phase where we're taking action. Instead, it's simply complaining about the situation again and again and again. Or we assume, you know, we make an assumption that the other person knows what it is that we want or we expect or we need. And they don't because we've never spoken up about it. So I had multiple conversations about that same topic Some of them were successful. Some of them were not successful. Ultimately, we did come to an agreement that was amicable and acceptable to both of us. It worked out fine. But I I believe that triggers are such an important opportunity for us to learn and to embrace the possibility of the learning. If we come at it from the place of, I'm already complete and I'm continuing to improve, then there's less charge, I feel, around this and we can look at it with a more open mind, even a more open heart, embrace the possibility that's there for the learning. Because the ego, you know, my ego in that scenario wanted to be right. Well, I said, we're going to meet at two o'clock. Why isn't he there? What happened? Right. But it's not about being right and wrong. It's about learning from it and then taking the appropriate action so that we can hopefully change that behavior in the future or find the behavior that works for both both people in that dynamic. One thing that came to mind, and then you answered it, is in a business situation, timeliness, I think, is kind of a social norm, at least I hope it would be. In a personal relationship, it may not be. And so to have that conversation ahead of time, or when it in the moment, that communication you're talking about is really important. 
But I love that you had it even in where the social norm existed in a working scenario to still say, hey, these are the expectations and then to not be met and then to have to have that conversation again. I think you're right. That is where things tend to break down because people just get mad like, oh, you know, they're disrespecting me. Oh, they're they're a jerk. Oh, you know, whatever it is that we go to, that's the trigger, right? Instead of just saying, okay, you know, I'm going to have this conversation again. I'm going to have this conversation again. And it's empowering you to have the decision to be I'll have the conversation again. We'll see what happens. We'll have the conversation again. We'll see what happens. And then at some point you might just be like, I don't want to be in this business relationship anymore. I don't, this doesn't feel right to me. Or to your point, the behavior changes and you work into a more congruent relationship. I just think it's really important or really interesting that you had those conversations, even in a, where I feel like the social norm exists. I think that's, that's great. Well, it's interesting because yeah, we had the conversations and the social norm existed partly because there were some cultural uh, differences as well. But regardless, I was aware of that, which is one of the reasons why I made sure to have the conversations because I knew that my experience being you know, from the United States, North America, but also working with many different cultures around the world in a business relationship, these are some of the expectations. And we have time zones to bridge, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important that if we can't show up, we just let the other person know it was just out of respect. Most of our relationships, though, are probably going to be the personal ones. You know, it's the family relationships. It's that person said this, that person has done this. Um, We're taking offense to it. Our ego is hurt. We are frustrated. We're tired of banging our head against the wall. The behavior is not what we want. I mean, there's so many things. And I think in every single scenario, without going into specific examples, what can we do about that? You know, what? What can we say about it? How can we bring the conversation up and how can we do it in a respectful way so that we're able to communicate from ourselves what it is that we're feeling, what it is that we're observing without placing the blame, but also allowing the other person to share their side of the story. I think that's important. And sometimes I feel like maybe we forget that it's all about what we want and maybe we're not as open to allowing that person to share what they need to share. That's such a good point. Or even having an, an awareness, right? I it just, I have an example when you were talking about the promptness, uh, lest we position ourselves as the ones that have this figured out. I was actually the receiving end. This has been, gosh, at least 10, maybe more years ago, I was in a relationship and I was accused of being incongruent and I was offended, right? <laughs> so I think of myself as a high integrity person and uh, whatnot. But I remember there was a scenario where I, I was at an event, like uh, let's call it a brunch. I don't remember exactly the details with some girlfriends and the person I was in a relationship with knew that things were running over. And I did call and say, Hey, I'm going to be late. But what I didn't realize is that this had been a bit of a pattern. So when I got back to his house, he called me on it. And I thought, well, I was like, well, I called you. <laughs> you know, like, how is this not, a, how is this a problem? Like I told you I was going to be late. And then he proceeded to point out a few other times I had been late. And I mean, I was clearly triggered, right? He was triggered. I was triggered. And I would say the thing he did for me is allow me to have my triggered space. I also did know I was being triggered and I can't say that I don't remember exactly how I handled it. I don't feel like I handled it exceptionally well in the moment, <laughs> to be honest, But what I will say is when I had the time to think about it, what came up for me is that I am back to that people-pleasing piece, right? I didn't want to disappoint my friends, like in the moment, like I'm a people pleaser in the moment. 
So I, I don't want to leave like, oh, that would be rude if I left now. Like, that would hurt their feelings. Like things aren't quite done yet, blah, blah, blah. And I know I can make it up to my personal relationship on the other side. Well, you can only do that for so long, right? I mean, you have to choose and have some boundaries. And I would say if we go into that personal development and looking at that opportunity to grow at a deeper level, I'm not great at it. I still have, I can actually think of a a pretty recent example where I slipped back into that pattern where I didn't want to disappoint the person in the moment and kind of got myself into a not a terrible situation, but one that was not ideal, but it's just a good reminder. And it goes back to that experience I had earlier to be like, oh, this is me doing that thing again. And so even though I did recognize it way back then, and I think I'm better at it now, it still comes up as we look at addressing the triggers and getting through it, like also giving yourself a break. Like we just all have some habits, some things that we fall back into in different scenarios. And, but the fact that I can be aware of it, even though I kind of messed it up again, even recently, I can go back to being different and being truer to my timing, truer to my boundaries and showing up for people in the way I said I would. Yeah, that's really important. And the awareness is it's something, you know, okay, we are complete. We can go into it with that philosophy, but we're also always learning. Mm-hmm. We're always growing and we're becoming more aware, more self-aware. So again, tying get back into taking responsibility for where we are. And at the same time, giving ourselves a break. I like that you said that. And having some compassion, you know, we're not perfect by any stretch. And if we're coming into an interaction with somebody tired or hungry or upset about something prior, we're probably not going to bring our best selves into that interaction, which means that those triggers are going to, those buttons are going to be pushed a lot quicker and they're going to get a result that maybe we're not so proud of. And it's okay. And we're not, you know, we're okay. It's true. And I, I think there's, I, I love that point because that can be us. That can also be your partner or the other person. And I think back to your point of communication, one thing I learned in another relationship was to just ask, to ask the question, Hey, is this about us, about me, about us, or like about you, like something happening with you. And just asking that question to be like, Oh, it's, I'm actually wound up in this work problem or I'm wound up in my oldest son's whatever, this isn't about us. I just need some space to think about it. And it's just coming out here in this friction because I haven't had time to think about it was hugely helpful to that relationship uh, to just ask. A lot of times when your partner or your family member or your friend is a little tweaked or something, often it's not even about you. (laughs) Most of the times it's not. (laughs) Right. So just asking, Hey, who is this about? It's not about you. Okay, great. I'll give you the space or can I help or what have you? It just changes that of edgy dynamic in a hurry, or maybe it is about you and they just need some space to, to work it out. And that's great too. I mean, it's just, it's information that's incredibly helpful. It is. And I think one of the challenges we have, particularly in this technology focused world is that so much of our communication can be through text message, which is not a great way to communicate anything of importance, right. Or significance. And the emotional charges that can come through something like that because of where we are. And what do we say that when, we, when we're reading something, it's not so much what's being written. It's what's perceived is based more on where the person is that's reading it, the receiver. Yes. Where they are in that moment. So it could be a very basic sentence that you think has no impact at all, but it triggers that person. 
that's reading it in a certain way. And I have an example this morning that happened. I love these real-time things, right? <laughs> yes. So somebody sent me something, a news item that was on about, about a situation that I had been following for some time. And I was like, oh boy, okay, that's interesting. Anyway, I remember that a good friend of mine also, we had talked about it many months ago, at least six or eight months ago. And I forwarded on to him and I said, here's an update. I got this message back. I didn't know about that. Oh, wow. And I said, yeah, apparently it happened over a year ago. This is what I get next. (laughs) It makes me laugh. I'm looking at it right now. We are not communicating well. Oh. (laughs) And I said, excuse me, we're not communicating well. And I went, because I didn't let you know that this happened over a year ago. Because I did know part of it that it happened some time ago. Exactly. This was an interesting case for me. I don't know how I missed it. And you didn't bring it up. This is all while I'm out for a walk. (laughs) And so I said, I have to laugh about this. It's too funny. I said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to allow myself to be aggravated this early in the morning. And we're going to see each other this weekend. So why don't we table this for a discussion over a beer? My thoughts exactly. (laughs) Right. So I think it's good going to be a very fun and interesting conversation, but I'm rereading that message. And I'm thinking, okay, that could have gone south really quickly if I let it, mm-hmm. but I chose not to. I was like, okay, this is kind of ridiculous. And, but we are not communicating very well. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> right. And to your point, you might be right. Tech or he or she, whatever. They might be right. Yeah. Tech, might be right. Text is tough. Yeah. Text is tough. It might be right, but you know, we'll discuss it in person. So <laughs> I, I just, I think that sometimes emails and messages can often be misinterpreted. Oh, for sure. I mean, tone and all that good stuff. And then I, I love your restraint and not engaging in the text battle or the email battle. Cause it's so enticing, right? You want to make your point like, no, that's not what I meant. Or yes, it is what I meant. Whatever it it's is. It's so satisfying for the ego. Yes. Yes, it is. But here we are. It's soul logic, right? Right. We don't really want to go down that path. <laughs> Let's take Try a bigger. <laughs> yeah, but we're human at the same time. Let's take a more expansive view here and and try and take the higher road. Right. Let the ego do the thing it's supposed to do. Like keep us alive, drive us down the road, and and yeah. not create more drama than we need. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So as we think about, we talked about boundaries a little bit in a prior podcast, mm-hmm. but I do think you're even setting a boundary for yourself in that because you are. I, at least me, I would be leaning in to have that text battle and you stopped yourself. That's oh, I thought good, about it. I did right? think about it. <laughs> yeah. So what a good boundary for yourself to just say, I'm not, I'm not engaging. Like yeah. that's really impressive. And like I said, we do have a podcast all about boundaries, but I do want to talk about, you know, there are some things in a relationship of, in, in any of those circles, acquaintances down to the intimate where there is like some things you just shouldn't accept. Right. So I don't want to make, I don't want this podcast to come across as, Oh, everything's fine. And you just need to figure it out. And I mean, there's definitely behavior that if it continues and it's not okay with you, then that needs to be addressed. Right. I mean, you, you can't have that conversation about timeliness for three years or maybe you can, but then that's not a boundary. You're just accepting the behavior. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the boundaries of acceptance and where you want to make a different decision for yourself, where it starts to impact your own happiness and your own wholeness that we talked about at the very beginning. 
Well, that's an important point, isn't it? When you were saying before, well, here I am going down that path of people pleasing, Mm -hmm. which may have been a familiar path for you. And so I would ask you, how did you feel when you recognized that you were going down that path? Well, it's interesting because I wasn't conscious of it until things got a little sideways and then I didn't feel great about it. I didn't feel great about it, but I did in that instance, I made it right. Like I confessed, I was like, here's exactly what I did. Here's what I was trying to do. I thought I was doing the right thing. I realized how badly I screwed this up on both sides. And I just came out clean to both sides. It was embarrassing to have that conversation because I feel like as an adult woman doing this work, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done it in the first place. But again, just trying to have compassion for myself and just the coming clean. And I mean, it wasn't even tragic. I mean, this is not, we're not talking anything like major here, just a little bit. I just felt a little bad about the behavior, probably more embarrassed for myself because I know my history than, I mean, they were all like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. (laughs) Like there was really no harm, no foul. But for me, it was the coming clean helped me get past. And just even to score my ego. Oh, such a good statement. My ego is definitely keeping score and flogging me for it. Right. Mm. For, for, for the relapse, if you will. But I also think by falling on the sword of, okay, I did it again helps to one, both integrate, like, this is not what, this is the behavior that I want to let go of. And by it's sort of balancing, if you will, the karma of the action with the coming clean and the apology of just the behavior. Yeah, well said. And I think that that for me, the reason why I want to ask you that about the people pleasing is because for me, I've been going more about how am I feeling in that moment. And when I start to feel that things are, like you said, going sideways, or I'm not feeling good, I feel like with the communication or the showing up, for example, I started to say, okay, no more of this. We've had this conversation, I'll give you maybe eight, 10 times, right? I'm just throwing a number out there. I'm not going to do this anymore. Because then it's starts to feel like I'm disrespecting myself. And that's where setting the boundaries becomes even more, you know, I've become more, I would say, unapologetic for setting boundaries because I have gone through several different iterations of communicating what it is we need, asking the questions, like you said, you know, is there something here that I can do? What's happening? What do you need? And really open conversation multiple times. And if it continues to be something, a behavior that is not, not happening, or there's disrespect, then absolutely. It's our responsibility to take action and take a stand and decide what it is we're going to do, make a decision. Yeah. And I think it's, I am very grateful. I do not have this situation in my life, but I think there are people who have family members, you know, where this boundary probably acceptance for too long because they are family comes into play. And I have real compassion for people who have that dynamic. So often, I mean, our family members can be really toxic and we really, I can think of a friend who really wanted her mother, probably a couple friends actually, who really wanted her mother to be different in her childhood and just the pain that that causes and the, the hole that needs to be filled, like getting whole from that. I can, I know is a lifelong pursuit. And at some point it just became too hard and she had to just let the actual relationship go, even though that, that hole was still left for her. She's just learning to figure it out on her own and not trying to do it with her mother at this point in time, but incredibly hard, incredibly brave to do something like that. I think in letting somebody that you're born into that you're, we are quote unquote, supposed to 
love unconditionally and is supposed to love us unconditionally in return and does not necessarily feel that way, you know, to set those boundaries and to finally walk away from the mistreatment real or perceived is important. It is, it is very important. And it's also very empowering. And so mm-hmm. we talk about here a lot on these episodes is ways for us to increase our inner authority and exercise our personal power. And so yeah. as we start to round out this episode, we have our mind, we have our ego that can be very prevalent, particularly in relationships, because we want to be the one that's right. You know, the other person is wrong, we're right. But if we can recognize that that's there, and yeah, just like I resisted the whole texting back and forth thing, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to do this, you know, let's just, and I put it, and I put an emoji in there too, by the way, <laughs> I put an emoji, I said, I'm not going to be aggravated this early in the morning with a, a, a laugh, you know, a smiling face, right? So yeah. it's all good and nothing wrong with that. I think it was, I think it's a great example because it just happened today and it was so in the moment Yeah. and I didn't know which way it was going to go. And I thought, no, you're not going down this path. Just let this be. And you can talk mm-hmm. about it this weekend. If there's anything, if there's anything to talk about, who knows, mm-hmm. it may not even be, but how, how can we start to silence our ego more and trust more of our heart, more of our soul and begin to have more, what you mentioned before, Cindy, is that compassion for ourselves. I think that's a really important thing because that is where we create that harmony within. And it is a balancing act that it's not all one way or the other way. And we're not always great at it. And those are actually the best moments when we're not always great at it because we can learn from those opportunities. Yep. You know, there, we can learn from those, those moments and become better the next time. It's so true. I mean, even my most recent misstep, if you will, like maybe it prevents me from doing it in a much bigger way in the future because I caught it now. I'd be curious to know with the text where, how you stopped that. Was that in your mind? Like it's one thing we want to talk about on soul logic is to leave the listeners with how does it feel to trust your soul? And how do you respect being in harmony with your logic? Like they do, we do need our egos. We do need our logic. We need our brain. That is something we've always believed strongly in and not a, but, but an, and we have a soul, we have intuition, we have feelings. We have sensations in our body that we also want to trust. There's science coming behind all of this as well, that this is real. We have more than one brain. We have a gut brain. We have a head brain. We have a heart. All of this plays into our entire way of being. So like I think of, for me, I feel the tension when I'm out of my own integrity in my chest. I feel it like Sometimes it can almost feel like a panic attack, although I don't think I've ever had a bona fide panic attack. It feels restrictive. And then when I have time to think about it and have that ugh feeling, then that moves to my gut. <laughs> I'm like, ugh, like a little bit of a stomach ache where I'm like, that's something is not right here and I need to make it right. But I do think my body speaks to me first but my mind doesn't always get it. (laughs) And I think for me, that's been the piece to be, you know, my head has run the show. I say many times I live from the neck up, my head runs the show. So if my head doesn't figure out my chest is tight, I'm running amok. If my head doesn't figure out my stomach hurts, I'm running amok. Um, I've gotten better at recognizing like, oh, hey, wait a second, my body's speaking to me and to catch myself. But I'm curious how, how you stopped yourself from engaging further in your text exchange this morning. Well, I almost had this kind of visual in front of me and I was, I was walking, as I said, when I, when I got this text and I, I looked at it and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then I said, 
I had almost this, you know, I stepped outside of myself in a sense, right? And I thought, hmm, this is pretty interesting. I knew we're going to have our conversation today on relationships. And this is a person I've known for over 25 years. And then I said to myself, you've got a choice here. We talked about the power of choice a few podcasts ago, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a choice here. You can either engage in this or you can shut it down and it's all good type of thing. In the past, I probably would have engaged because uh, full disclosure, I like a good little tussle. You know, I don't have any you problem with that. Come on. <laughs> I am Italian, right? There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of, it can be quick to anger sometimes, but I said, no, I said, let me, let me just play the other side and let's see how this goes. And because I, I also kind of sensed if I go that route, what's the point? There's, there's no point. There's no benefit at all. You know, this is, un, and this isn't even a topic that has any significance for God's sake. Right. It's not like it's an important thing, but the, I think the same approach can be in almost any interaction, right? If we pause first, that's, that's the key right there. Pause first, allow that charge to dissipate mm-hmm. because I feel like sometimes like a rush, like sometimes, you know, you get an email, right. And you're reading this, and you're like, and you just yeah. want to fire off a response. And yep. sometimes what I'll do is I'll take out the person's address in the address line and I'll do a reply or I'll forward it to me, making sure that the addresses are not there, just my address. And I'll write in that subject line draft, and then I'll write a reply, but I will not send it. I'll go back the next day or late, a few hours later, once everything is calmed down. So the, the most important thing I did this morning was I looked at it, I laughed, I paused, and I said, no, we're not going to even, this is fine. This is just, let's just have fun with this. I think that's so interesting. I, uh, what I'm loving of this is different emotions maybe happen in different places, right? Like I agree mm. when you, somebody triggers you and makes you mad, there is like a little rush, like a, ah, right. <laughs> and if you can just let that pass, I think that's so important and ha- be mindful to observe it. Pause. And that's also great advice before you react. So true. I think we, a lot of times we try to squelch emotions or squelch reactions. It doesn't mean it also like you're, you don't have to react at or to the person, but you can let the Correct. emotion pass Correct. and let it, let it, let the charge go through. Like emotions aren't permanent. They, they come and go, right? So let it go. And then for me, like the anxiety resides a little bit in my body and my, until my brain's like, Oh, Hey, you might be, you might be a little stressed out. You might be a little anxious, but I think it does. I think it's proving the point in both cases that the mind recognizes, Hey, I've been triggered you know, I've been triggered. I'm angry. And this is happening fast or, Hey, I've been triggered and I didn't realize, and I have this slow burn and constriction in my chest. But I think when we talk about the soul logic, the mind is understanding and making a choice, which I love too. We always have a choice and how to respond. And that's all, where the growth lies. And it's important to feel the emotions. Yes. You know, it's energy in motion. And if we don't allow ourselves to feel it and to express it or let it pass, then we trap it. Mm-hmm. And that's not healthy, right? That's yeah. absolutely not healthy. And the other thing that happened was, have you ever heard of the acronym WAIT? I have not. No, this is something I learned years ago. And in, in, it came through coaching training, but it wasn't, I didn't think it was actually part of the training. It was a byproduct of it. And it stuck with me for years and it's wait, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? But 
this is what I love about it, right? Because sometimes I might say that to myself, and that is just a couple of seconds right there. It's almost enough to pause and to allow that immediate reaction to dissipate and gives me time to respond. Oh, I think it's great. I mean, and I laugh, but I love it because it's so on isn't point. Isn't it great? Yes. It's, it's so on point. Like, why am I talking? W-A-I-T. And this is a, a true story. One of my former colleagues, a good friend of mine, she was always known for being very reactive and quick to, in a meeting, you know, say, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do, you know, always very argumentative sometimes. I'm not saying she was wrong because she had really good points. And she started practicing that. And people came to her when they noticed, they noticed, wait a minute, we'll, you, we'll call her Joan. Why is Joan not being the first to speak? Why is Joan not giving her opinion right away? And she said, because now I've learned to wait. And the point is, it was noticeable. And what she told me later is she felt so much healthier because she was just allowing herself to like calm down instead of being like, uh, uh, like reaching for it and going for it, right? And that's the ego. The ego wants to to re- respond quickly. The ego wants to be right, wants to be seen, wants to be heard. No, it's okay. Her, you can just chill a little bit. Yeah. And I bet her relationships improved. They completely improved. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe even changed and transformed by not jumping down everybody's throat and kind of, <laughs> I call people like that emotionally terrifying. <laughs> you know, like you're, you say something and you don't know what's coming back. Right. right. But you know, something's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I love it. And I think that's a great way to be mindful I, to your point of just recognizing what's, what's happening. And like, why am I talking is so good. Cause that, tr- that taps right into your ego. Why are you talking? Well, I want to be right. Cause I'm angry. Cause I'm, because they said something mean to me. And I'm not going to let right. that happen, whatever right. it is. And be like, okay, but wait a second. Why am I talking? And then it gives you a chance to be like, what's the intention on the other side? Like, who is this person? Can I give them benefit of the doubt? You know, can I assume best intentions instead of worst intentions here? Even if it's, even if there's something they're upset about, they might have still have good intentions in reaching out to you, right. To say, Hey, this hurt my feelings, or I'm upset about this or whatever it is. That's also really good information. And that's about them and not you at that point in time, right? Where I am I talking? Right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So that right there is what I think we'll leave our listeners with, right? Yeah, for sure. Number one, you are complete Mm -hmm. and you are continuing to improve and become more as your awareness improves. So just going out into the world, knowing that I think changes everything and how we show up Mm -hmm. and the responsibility that we take. And it gives us more inner power to exercise our inner authority, right? Over any situation to take that responsibility to speak up and also to say, well, maybe I just need to pause right here. Maybe I do need to wait and really understand what am I thinking? Why am I talking? Any one of those methods can help dramatically improve the relationship with self and the relationship with others. Well said, Scott. Thanks everybody for listening. 